You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time to talk about the Green Bay Packers. This is your Packers Update, the Daily Cheese, brought to you by Packernet.com. The Daily Cheese is a collaboration with the Packernet Podcast, hosted by Ryan Schlipp, the Pack Daddy. And I'm your host, JJ Lee. Well, it's finally happened. The Detroit Lions, months after turning ownership of the team over from Martha Firestone Ford to her daughter, Sheila Ford Hamp, announced they have fired head coach Matt Patricia and general manager Bob Quinn, a move that many see as long overdue. The Lions fired head coach Jim Caldwell after going 9-7. and seven. Then Matt Patricia went 7-19-1 in roughly two and a half seasons. Patricia would have had to win his next 24 games straight in order to get the same winning percentage as Jim Caldwell. Meanwhile, during Bob Quinn's five years as general manager, the team went 31-43-1. While it is surprising that the team decided to announce the firings Saturday afternoon, Making a move at this point in the year allows them to get a head start on the coaching search. They will, of course, be competing with the Houston Texans and Atlanta Falcons, who have already fired their head coaches and been searching for several weeks now. The Lions announced that offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel, former Packers assistant QB coach, will take over as interim head coach. For the record, Bevel's name is one that has been floated around many times as a possible head coaching candidate. In Green Bay, the Packers have elevated linebacker Dijon Scuda-Harris and running back Mike Weber for the Sunday night's game versus the Bears. As of yet, the Packers have not yet been able to work out Tavon Austin, Brian Price, or Niall Scott. I would expect those workouts to come on Monday. As for wide receiver Kenny Stills, waived by the Texans, the Packers are number 27 on the waiver wire. If you can believe it, that's one spot below the Cleveland Browns. Welcome to 2020. And now, I invited coach Brian Hahn to join the podcast again and talk about the Bears. All right, Coach Han, happy Thanksgiving to you. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, my pleasure, man. Happy Thanksgiving to you. So, have you had an opportunity to watch some Bears tape? Oh, a lot of Bears tape. Yeah, they do some fun stuff. (laughs) I'm excited for this game. This is going to be a fun matchup because the Bears defense is incredibly exciting to watch. They do some crazy stuff. They do. One of the things that I've seen they do really, really well is snuff out some of these wide zone teams like the Packers like to run. We've seen it in Minnesota and Tennessee and and New Orleans and all these different teams where they can really attack wide zone very, very well. What's the answer then uh, for Green Bay to create a mismatch? Uh, A a great question, and I know definitely one that um, they've spent a lot of time up in Green Bay going over this week. A couple of the ways I've seen the Bears get gashed is when you get away from wide zone and you make them expand their outside linebackers, they're a defense very similar in initial alignment to Green Bay in that they really like to play a 3-4 base defense and bring those outside linebackers up so it almost looks like a 5-2. 
one of the ways that uh, Tampa and then later the Minnesota Vikings were able to exploit that was using different formations to get those outside linebackers out of the box. And again, because the Bears defense is solely built on disrupting wide zone and inside zone, the good counter to that is using some gap schemes to hit the edge, like pin and pull that uh, Minnesota did, or even a little bit of long trap like Tampa Bay did. Now, this was something that we had identified as a potential winning strategy versus the 49ers. Tell me about what you saw in that Niners game. What did the Packers do? Do they do a lot of gap runs? Uh, Yeah, they mixed in gap really well. I mean, it wasn't predominantly gap. They still were a predominantly zone team. That's what they'd like to hang their hat on um, because it mates up with their pass protection so well. But they did run some long trap. They ran some power and they found some pretty good success with it. By my count, they ran it six times, had an average of about 6.1 yards a carry, popped a couple off for 11. I, I thought they did a really nice job with it. Overall, it looked like they ran it pretty well. Gap can get confusing when defenses do a little bit of adjusting or stemming pre-snap. But for the most part, I thought they did a pretty good job with it. So real quick for our listeners who maybe don't remember what a gap scheme looks like, just what's the real simple explanation of that? The real simple explanation is gap scheme is man blocking with a little bit of misdirection. So zone has all the linemen going one way. Gap will put most of the linemen going one way and either bring a pull around or use somebody on the edge to pin the defender down and let everybody roll around. him. Now, you also saw the Packers do a little bit of this versus Jacksonville, right? Oh, for sure. They used a uh, great formation. They came out in trips bunch right, which means all, all three receivers were in a tight bunch, really tight to the line of scrimmage. And then they motioned a uh, receiver to cross. And then they just used pin and pull on the edge where they had EQ pinned down on the defensive end and got the right tackle and the right guard to run around him. And that was able to get Aaron Jones 21 yards in a game where they really struggled to move the ball on the ground. Speaking of struggling, people have finally started noticing the woes on special teams for the Packers. Last week against Indianapolis, we were going up against one of the best special teams units in the league, and the Colts absolutely annihilated the Titans on special teams the week previously. So I'm not going to judge the Packers special teams more harshly for the Indy game than I will for some of the other games, but they have looked really rough. And the Bears have a decent special teams unit, right? For sure. What are some things that you have noticed going wrong on special teams? What are some solutions that you'd like to see put in place to maybe correct some of that? Yeah, and that's a great question because special teams, unlike a lot of other facets, unlike the offense, unlike the defense, special teams is so very scattered. You have essentially six different units within this special teams category. And it also it can come down to some personnel and it can come down to some over-scheming type of stuff. But at the end of the day, I think the real concern is you don't have just one facet failing. You saw a blocked punt. You saw a uh, punt return for a touchdown. You saw struggles in the, the rush game as far as getting pressure on punters. There were times where some kickoffs probably could have gone because guys were out of their lane. So it really comes down to the discipline of the players and making sure you have the right players in the right spot first and foremost and then making sure they're doing their jobs. And the easiest way to get players to do their jobs is to cut down on the scheme and just make it simple. It doesn't have to be this big, fancy, extravagant scheme. If you keep the job really simple for the player, the player can then execute the job. One of the scariest names for the Chicago Bears, big number 52, Khalil Mack. Yeah. Um, He's going to be matched up for a lot of the day against Billy Turner. Talk to me about what you're seeing there. 
Yeah, this is going to be a really fun matchup to watch. I know a lot of your listeners have wisely pointed out that at times Billy Turner hasn't really been tested with a great edge rusher until now. So this is going to be a really fun one to watch. What I'm watching for Green Bay to do is in their first couple of series and what we have the the scripted plays or the plays that are already kind of pre-developed and not live called, they're going to give Billy Turner a chance. They're going to give him two, three shots, one-on-one with Khalil Mack and pass pro and a relatively long drop just to say, okay, kid, show us what you can do. And from there, it kind of becomes a flow chart for the offensive coordinator coordinator, excuse me, and the O-line coach where they can just kind of go through and say, okay, if Billy Turner can handle Khalil Mack one-on-one, awesome. These are all the things we can do now because we don't have to give him help. However, on the flip side of that, if Billy Turner does need help, now we can slide some protection to him. We can put a back or an H-back or a tight end in for some chip game and really protect his outside. So they have different ways that they can manage it. It all depends on those first couple of plays or maybe even that first drive and how Turner can handle it. One last fun question here. Yeah. So you coach the O-line and outside linebackers at McFarland High School. You're going into your fifth year there. Yep. You have been a football coach for eight years at three different schools. How did you get into coaching? Uh, Yeah, that is, I guess, kind of a fun story. So I was playing, actually, I was playing at a semi-pro level. I was playing outside linebacker in what I didn't know would be my last year of semi-pro, but it was. I thought I was playing really well. I got a a starting spot by week three, had the game of my life, recorded a couple of sacks, had a forced fumble, really played well, kind of got a little high on my horse and started trying to do too much. And by halftime of week four, I was benched. And then um, by week six, I was cut in the kindest way possible because the coaching staff approached me and said, look, we only have a 53-man roster. What do you think about possibly coaching the outside linebackers? And uh, I took that as kind of a gut punch at first, but then I saw it as an opportunity and I I fell in love with coaching and I haven't looked back. So they sort of fired you and sort of gave you promotion. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, really, really (laughs) strange uh, twist there. Well, Coach, thanks for coming on the show. We love having you on here. Hope to get you on here again next week. JJ, it's always my pleasure, man. All right, that does it for today. For more in-depth analysis and a look at Packers strategy, make sure you're subscribed to the Packernet Podcast, hosted by the Pack Daddy, Ryan Schlipp. Keep up on all the Green Bay Packers news by going to Packernet.com and follow the Packernet Podcast on Facebook. Please follow me on Twitter at JJ Leahy and go to PackDraft.com slash newsletter to sign up for our free weekly newsletter. My name is JJ Leahy, and this has been The Daily Cheese, your Green Bay Packers news update.